Jim Shoemaker, Tommy Armstrong, and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth, I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess, you're from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff, I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning and welcome to Talk Money. Talk Money is about insurance, investments, retirement and estate planning. Actually, Talk Money is about everything financial. Our guests bring their insights and perspectives about their topics of expertise. While you're thinking about buying a house in 2018, according to Freddie Mac, the average interest rate nationwide on a 30-year fixed rate was 3.99%. At the end of 2017, that's pretty good, but it's not the record low. Remember the record low? National average was 3.31% five years ago. Guys, that's still pretty good timing, though. You think about it. Five years ago, hmm, 3.31. You're still waiting. You didn't. It's only 3.99. All just a little less than 4%. Still a good time to buy a house if you can find one. The government team needs to get it set a New Year's resolution. Here's what they're thinking about. You think about stopping their overspending. According to the Treasury Department, the national debt of the United States was 20 point, almost $20.5 trillion at the end of 2017, an increase of $11.5 trillion in just 10 years. They are definitely overspending. You think that maybe we could get Congress to set a New Year's resolution? I doubt it. I'm not holding my breath. Stock market, would you believe there have been better years than last year in the market? In spite of gaining 21.8% in 2017, according to BTN Research, the S&P 500's performance last year is just, listen to this, the eighth best performance of the stock market in the last 25 years. The best performance for the last 25 years, a gain of 37.6, a total return. I'll tell you when we come back what year that was. See if you can remember. What year did we have that we gained 37.6%? Well, today's programs, we're going to find out a lot about the mandate repeal. We're going to find out about tax reform. Tommy Armstrong, CPA, Scott Jordan, certified financial planner, and Shannon Dyson, vice president of Shoemaker Financial. We'll be back in just a moment. This is Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Now, here's Mid-South weather from News Channel 3's Severe Weather Center. Brought to you by the Crescent Club. Hosting the people and ideas that move Memphis forward for nearly 30 years. Poplar and I-240. Call for a free tour at 901-684-1010. Get ready, another cold front is on its way. 
From the Severe Weather Center, I'm News Channel 3's Todd Demers. Partly sunny skies today. Our temperatures will recover into the mid-30s. First time above freezing since Saturday afternoon behind southwesterly winds. But tonight's cold front means another shot of cold Arctic air. Our temperatures drop into the teens with northerly winds and under the sunshine will hold in the mid-20s for your Thursday. Slightly warmer with increasing rain chances through the weekend. Memphis Spine and Rehab has relocated to Germantown across from the Chick-fil-A on Wolf Trail Cove. Check them out at TheMemphisSpine.com or call 901-751-0939. I'm News Channel 3's Todd Demers on The Voice, FM 107.9 and AM 990. Now back to America in the Morning. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs, it's what we do. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. Talk Money brought to you in part by the Bailey Law Firm, estate planning, elder law, and probate planning for all generations. Well, I told you that this is not the best. You know, we've had better years in the market than we had in 2017. It is the eighth best year in the last 25 years. What's the number one? Well, it was 37.6% total return in 19. 95. I remember that. I remember that. The decade. Yeah, you're saying you did that. Well, I've got three guests, guys. This is something you need to, this is rock up and just sit down and listen because I've got some very important people in the studio with me today. We're going to talk about what happened with the mandate, no longer law. Shannon Dyson from Shoemaker Insurance Solutions, he's going to give us that overriding understanding of that and help us understand what's really going on with the Affordable Care Act and why it's important for us to understand that when the mandate date goes away, what does that actually do? In the second half of the program, Tommy Armstrong, certified public accountant, CPA, <laughs> and I got Scott Jordan with me, also a certified financial planner. They're going to take us into the kind of the overview and the understanding of what's happened with this tax act. I mean, it's the Jobs Act. It's it's whatever you want to call it, whether you like it or not. How does it affect you? Well, that's what we're going to talk about with these guys. But first off, Shannon, let's talk. You're you're you know, this you're always here to talk about healthcare for some reason, and now we are seeing it maybe, maybe being dismantled. What do you think? Yeah, Jim, thanks for having me back. Um it's it's an interesting topic. First thing I wanted to say though is nineteen ninety five is when I graduated high school. So and maybe the market that. maybe the market knew that I was getting into the workforce <laughs> and that was the that was the, the kickoff for you. Exactly. Yeah, Thirty seven and a half. That's great. Got it. Uh yeah, so the, the uh, one of the main things that of course in my world, uh in the healthcare world, with that the uh, new tax bill did was it, it repealed the individual mandate. Uh, and so no longer, beginning in 2019, uh, will individuals be mandated to purchase health insurance or get a penalty. All right. There's two people involved in that, the consumer right. and the health insurance companies. I mean, 
Give me the give me the thoughts on the. Let's start with a consumer. Let's start with that. So for consumers, uh, you know, no longer will you be facing the two and a half percent of your income penalty for not having a health care plan. So we we've heard a lot of people uh, complaining, and rightly so, that the premiums have skyrocketed over the last three or four years in the individual health market. Uh, so much so that it is very unaffordable. Uh, to most people. No, you just said something. It was the Affordable Care Act, and now it's unaffordable. Is it not? It didn't work exactly. There's some great things about the Affordable Care Act that sure. we should definitely let everybody know. We think they worked. The fact that it was going to cover everybody if you couldn't get coverage. But it, it really hasn't worked out cost-wise as people as anticipated. It didn't. The, the When you look back to what they were trying to do, uh, they were trying to bring everybody into the market and mandate that everyone have coverage. So we'll bring a lot of young people in their 20s into the market that are healthy. Um, it will offset some of the people that are unhealthy that are coming into the market because we're no longer asking health questions of anybody. So the insurance carriers are taking all everybody that signs up, they take them on. Um, so if you get enough of the people that are younger in their 20s, we're going to offset some of the older expenses that we're going to have from or the unhealthy people. The heart attacks, um, the cancer patients. Law of large numbers. We're going to have everybody's premiums coming into the pile, and then we'll be okay. Yeah, you said it, law of large number. That's the whole idea behind just looking at a group of people, a large group, versus selecting just those that are sick. Let me just ask, the mandate, the word mandate, was that the part that really people struggle with, the fact that you're mandated to get this coverage? That, that is. So the, the Republican uh, opposition to the bill back in 2010 uh, was talking about we have never mandated someone purchase um, insurance except from the automobile market. You have to have, auto, you have, <laughs> yeah. to have automobile insurance, yeah, sure right? Do, yeah. uh, but Or face a penalty. And so that was one of the things that they really focused on was we are, the government is now mandating you have health insurance coverage. Mm. It made sense when you look at it from a financial standpoint. And you a need, large number. You need to make people come into the market because you're no longer asking health questions. One of the best things about this entire bill was that we don't have to worry about being declined or turned down for health insurance. Uh, someone that has diabetes that worked at a company for 20 years, they're laid off, they're now into the marketplace, and they couldn't find health insurance pre-2010. Or couldn't afford whatever they Or could. couldn't afford the, right. the large risk pools that were in each state. Mm -hmm. And so this guaranteed them coverage. That's a great thing. Uh, but in order to do that, you really did have to have some sort of mandate to require younger, healthy people to come into the market. So now with the mandate going away, okay, and that let me let me make sure that we understand this. Does does the mandate go away effective January the first? It does not. So the the mandate actually this language takes place 2019, January 1, 2019. So individuals are still mandated in 2018 to have health insurance coverage. That's really kind of a question that a lot of people need to remember that uh, it is not something can I can I not have coverage this year? The answer is no. No, not unless they pass something within this year some sort of fix to that to allow the the penalties to go away for this year. As the law stands today, uh, you must have health insurance for 2018 or you will face a penalty. All right, that's the consumer. Let's make sure we wrap that up in a package. The effect is that the effects, let's talk about there. They are those that if you're, you're not mandated, the price was getting too expensive right. to the family. Talk talk about that. You've got some experience with that. Yeah, so I, I always try to know kind of where the prices are because we hear about prices uh, increasing. We hear about these large 20, 30, 40 percent rate increases. Um, and I have people calling the office all the time to ask us, what do what the rates look like on the market? So I looked at my family uh, just to see what it would cost my family 
uh, to get health insurance through healthcare.gov. Um, I did not put any income in the, in the requirement, so I just wanted to see what the total price was. Um, for a family of uh, husband, wife, three sons under the age of 16, uh, for me to get a plan that was a middle-of-the-road deductible uh, was going to cost me $3,000 a month. A month. That's, that is sticker shock. And so when I saw that, I was like, okay, I understand now. And I've understood, but just seeing that, you know, if I want to bind this coverage uh. with Cigna, I have to pay $3,000 per month. And so that tells you where a lot of people are. If, if you are outside of the ranges uh, income-wise, uh, where you're not getting a tax subsidy, you are really hit hard by these increase in prices. And that's affecting, go back to the consumer, the middle class. Correct. Absolutely. If you, make, that- if you make over $48,000 a year as an individual, uh, or if you make over $90,000 a year as a family, you're not eligible for tax credits. So you're oh. feeling the full brunt of those increases. And that's what really created the problem. Correct. If you just tuned in, you're listening, of course, to The Voice, FM 107.9 AM 990. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. And my guest is Shannon Dyson. And we're talking about the the mandate is no longer in in law. It's no longer, I mean, it's gone away. It'll be effective. And you said, Shannon, in 2019. 2019. So you still have to have it. The consumer really just got caught up in the fact that it, it the middle class that it was extremely expensive. Right. Talk about those that are under the middle class, the poor, the poor that, that I feel like, is this affecting them? So you've got two different uh, scenarios. You've got uh, the, the individual that is between 100% and 400% of the federal poverty line. Hmm. Um, those individuals are eligible for tax credits. And so the, the tax credits that they receive offset these increases that they're seeing in the, in the insurance market. And so for that grouping of individuals, there really is no effect as far as rate increases, because as the rates increase, so do the tax credits and the tax subsidies. Uh, the tax subsidies that we saw this year were higher than we've ever seen before, because the rates are higher than we've ever seen before. Right. Uh, and so they really do not feel uh, that impact as much. Were the enrollments this year, as they anticipated, do you feel like that the consumer was responding positively to this enrollment that they needed to be a part of? Yeah, we were talking about that um, earlier this morning. So in 2016, uh, the enrollment for 2017, so last year's enrollment, uh, there were 11.5 million people that were in the marketplace overall. Um, This year, there are 8.7 million people in the marketplace. So there are three Almost three almost million. million less in the market. Is that's just simply saying I'll pay the penalty? Now, I or? think those are people that are looking at the pricing and saying I can't afford it. Um, I can't afford to be in the market any longer. Uh, it's also people that are that are that heard that the tax law repealed the individual mandate, and they said, "Well, good, I don't have to have health insurance anymore." They may so, find so that so to be a problem. That. That's right. Unless, they, as you said, do a fix. All right, that's the consumer. What did this do to the insurance company? Well, more bad news, unfortunately, because if you think about it, the insurance companies had higher pricing because they could not ask people health conditions, health questions. Correct. They had to accept every condition. And so we mandated people to, just like we were talking about a minute ago, we mandated people to have coverage so that we could get more younger, healthy money into the system, into the premiums, into the system, and so we could try and keep the pricing down. Well, now that the mandate has gone away, that's going to do nothing but increase the pricing that we're seeing today. So I wouldn't expect the pricing to go down. The CBO, uh, Congressional Budget Office, expects the premiums to go up 10% um, next year. And that's that's conservative, I believe. I think it probably we could see a lot higher than that. 
If you're looking at this whole idea, Shannon, and again, I guess this is a maybe an opinion that, again, I'm not asking you to back this up with statistics and things, but we're, it seems to me, if you go back to 2007, when the Democrats took over the Congress and the presidency and they moved into this, say, we're going to pass this, this goes all the way back to Clinton days when sure. he wanted to do something. We've always known that we didn't have the best, uh, we didn't have a health care plan that was suitable for every walking. Not the most efficient. That's right. You know, efficiency. That's good. Now, we seem to have attempted to do something, but again, it's such a huge animal that we haven't really accomplished, I think, what the Democrats were tr- really trying to do. Yeah, and, and that's, that's true. The, 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 I think the thought process was that we could keep prices under control by making everybody have coverage. If you're asking my opinion, what I think should have done, should have happened, it wouldn't have been popular at the time, uh, was to make the mandate a little more stiff penalty if you didn't take it. Because the, the penalty as it sits today... You know, it's two and a half percent of your income, or six hundred ninety-five dollars for whichever's, for the year. Whichever's, whichever's higher. higher. Okay. Whichever's higher. Uh, so if you're if you're facing paying a, a five hundred or six hundred dollar a month insurance premium, and you're twenty-five years old, or paying a one-time six hundred dollar penalty, <laughs> there's not much teeth in that penalty. So that's <laughs> I think that's kind of what we saw of people saying, "I'm just not going to take the coverage." They did not get the influx of people in. Prices never really stabilized in the, in the individual market. Do the insurance companies have anything to say about this? Do you feel like there's a lobby there that's creating part of this problem from their perspective? I know morbidity is about the disease of Americans, and we know that we suffer from obesity, diabetes, heart attacks, cancer, all those big illnesses. So the reality is they've got to price all that in. Is insurance companies, are they able to do that today with this system, or do you think that's going to have to completely break and refix it? Well, they, they pushed hard for, for that mandate. Um, they also pushed hard for a little provision in the, in the bill that went away two years ago, and it was if their losses were greater than what they expected, uh, that the American taxpayer would pick up the difference. Uh, and that provision that was in the tax bill went away two years ago. Uh, which strangely coincides with price increases going up 30 and 40 percent over the next two years. And so I think what we've seen is the insurance companies tried to keep prices as low as they could. um, But once those guarantees from the government went away, meaning if my losses are higher than what I think, the government's no longer picking up that slack, we saw 40 percent rate increases from the insurance companies. And so they're saying, look, if we can't ask health questions and we have no idea um, what type of medical risk we are picking up? How can we? How do we know how to price this product? That's a great point. Well, I guess the repeal of the mandate does not repeal the Affordable Care Act, which they just couldn't push it through. It does not. There's still plenty of requirements of the Affordable Care Act on employers. Employers still have to to fill out the 1095C reporting requirements. There's still an employer mandate for uh, companies that have 50 or more employees. So. A lot of times, a lot of employers may think that the mandate repeal uh, means that they no longer have to offer a health insurance plan. Uh, if you have over 50 employees, you still have to offer a health insurance plan as an employer. So that has not been affected. So the Affordable Care Act is still in place. It's just the individual mandate uh, has been repealed. Well, let me ask you this. Do you believe there's there, there's going to be other things that will take place this next year that will begin to continue to? It's kind of like we started dismantling it one piece at a time instead of a sweeping reform. It's 
one little part at a time. Do you feel like that's where we're headed? I think what we saw uh, last year was that the Republicans first tried to just say, we're going to repeal the whole thing. And Re- that was Repeal and replace. That didn't work. Uh, many, many votes were taken and many, many votes were lost uh, by the Republicans. So it looks what they're doing now is they're saying, we're going to systematically repeal this. The, we're going to start with the biggest piece, which was the individual mandate. Um, President Trump last, uh, I guess it was two months ago, signed an executive order on association plans, making them a little less uh, strict on the ruling, um, where small groups can form together to get form larger plans through associations. Uh, that's another piece of this. And so, yeah, I think what we'll see throughout this year, probably the employer mandate will be going away at some point uh, this year, along with those reporting requirements that are really tough uh, on employers. I would see those going away at some time soon. All right, well. you're talking about the employer. We've kind of covered three aspects or two aspects so far, the consumer and the insurance company, and you've referred to the employer a couple of times. In, in, in a nutshell, what would you say to this business owner, 10 employees, 15 employees? I mean, what would you say to them today? What I mean, I can just imagine they're going through all kinds of what do I do this time? What do I do this time? What are you thinking? The, the bright spot in all of this has been uh, health insurance on the small business owner. The under under fifty, the way that they define small business on the Affordable Care Act is under fifty employees, um, and the bright spot has been on the steadiness of the rates in the small group uh, market. Rates have been increasing, but not much. We've seen five, six, seven percent increases on small employers. Uh, No longer are they getting these large increases if one of their employees gets sick. For many, many years, if you had a 10-employee group and one of your employees had a terrible, got cancer and had hundreds of thousands of dollars of bills, the insurance company would hit that employer with a 50, 60% rate increase, making it unaffordable. That doesn't happen any longer because they can't. It's against the law to do that. So all small employers in the state of Tennessee are grouped in the same pool. And so we don't see large increases on small employers. And so that's one, of, that's one thing that I always talk about with a person that maybe has an individual health plan today and they own a business, look into having a small group health plan. You may be able to get two or three employees and have that, have that plan and it would be completely fine. Whereas if you go in the individual market, you're going to be spending, gosh, $1,000, $1,500 a month to cover your family. Let me, I guess at, at the end of the day, if you had to summarize this and kind of give me the whole thought process and put it in a nutshell where you say, okay, we've appealed the mandate. We're going to dismantle one step at a time. At least that's what we see is going in the future. What would you tell the person that's kind of got it in their head? Well, I'll get through this year and next year. What, what would you, what's your counsel to that individual? I think what we're going to see over the next year and a half are some, some deregulation of, of a lot of the uh, rules that have been put on insurance carriers. And once we do that, there's going to be more competition into the market. Um, more competition is going to bring down pricing over time. That's kind of what we're seeing. We're seeing new insurance carriers coming into the market, um, offering plans that will ask health questions. Mm-hmm. Again, we're kind of seeing that start to pop up. Um, I think that we're in a good position because we have a law that uh, makes uh, an employer or makes a person, an insurance carrier, I should say, not be able to ask health questions of anyone. So we're in a spot where everybody's going to be able to have health insurance. Now it's just a matter of, can we be creative in the way that we offer these plans? And can insurance companies come in with a little bit of deregulation and offer plans that may be a little bit skinnier, less coverage than others? 
Maybe I need to send you to Washington and let you kind of meet with them and tell them what they need to be doing. I think I need to stay away from there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've been listening to Shannon Dyson. We've been talking about the, actually, the no longer law mandate. It's not there anymore. So you're listening to, of course, FM 107.9 and AM 990, The Voice, the radio of the Mid-South, of course. And I'm I'm Jim Shoemaker. We're with Talk Money. And we're going to have two guys coming up in just a minute. That's Tommy Armstrong and Scott Jordan. Stay with us. You're listening to Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. The Osgood File, sponsored in part by Dell Small Business. Talk to a Dell Tech Advisor today to find the right Dell PC for your business. This is Charles Osgood from the Dell Small Business Studios. Artificial intelligence is now helping companies to decide which job applicants to hire. The computer programs they use are looking at a lot more than job resumes, as we'll hear after this. Okay, so just type the job website address here. That's it. Then you enter what job you're looking for there. Electrician. This is Peter. Recently, he got help going on the internet for the first time to look for a new job. Okay, then you just hit search and... In the past, Peter's gotten work through people he knew, but he heard there were more jobs online. There we go. These are all for me? Uh Uh-huh. Really? He had no idea just how many. I can't believe it. This one looks good. Peter is thinking the internet might be for him after all. And this is just one website. Wow. Why didn't I do this sooner? See what the internet can help you do at everyoneon.org or call 1-855-387-9166 to find a free training class near you. Brought to you by Connect to Compete and the Ad Council. Our CBS News colleague, Chris Martinez, tells us how artificial intelligence technology works when you apply for a job. The next time you apply for a job, your first interview could be with a computer program like Maya, a fully automated recruiter. She instantly engages with the candidate right when they apply. Eyal Grayofsky is the co-creator of Maya, a program designed to help large companies process job applications. The interview looks like a conversation. Maya interacts with candidates online, asking questions to gauge interest in a position and find out details about their prior experience. The program uses technology called sentence analysis to evaluate word choice, grammar, and how quickly they respond to questions. If we ask about the pay range and someone's hesitant, we can then start to draw correlations between how you responded to the question and whether or not you're going to retain or perform within the role. More companies are turning to artificial intelligence to automate the recruiting process, like using AI to screen resumes in a fraction of the time it would take a human. The algorithms decide which candidates should move on to in-person interviews. At the moment, only a person can decide whether or not to hire you, but in time, says Chris Martinez. As AI technology improves, experts say companies could eventually use it to handle their entire hiring process from start to finish. Now there's something to look forward to. The Osgood File. I'll see you online at Facebook, Twitter, and at theosgoodfile.com. This is Charles Osgood. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. 
And welcome back. My guest now, I tell you, we've got it lined up for you. Tommy Armstrong, he's a CPA, and Scott Jordan, a certified financial planner. Now, guys, really, thank you for being a part of the program today because we're talking about one of these tough subjects. It's called the, I I like the idea, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. That's a good thing. Welcome to the program. Glad to be here, Jim. Good morning, Jim. You know, let me start with you, Tommy. You know, as a as a CPA, where you're working with people, let me. What are you saying to them? Are you communicating that this tax law? I know. I know you get questions about did it take effect in 2017 because it was passed in 2017, or did it take place January the first, 2018? Well, some of the tax acts that have been passed in the past past were made retroactive. This one is not. It does not apply in any way to 2017. 2017 is based on old law without any impact from the Tax Cuts and Job Act, Jobs Act, which applies to 2018 and going forward. So, so when a person's thinking about what, what took place in this, this particular tax reform, they just need to start working from January the 1st forward not looking back to 2017. Absolutely. And that's that's why one of our one of our primary uh suggestions that we're making to any taxpayer we come in contact with is to go ahead and get your 2017 tax return prepared under the old law so that a competent tax preparer can give you a projection of what your unique situation is going to look like under the 2018 law. All right. Now, I'm fortunate enough to have both of you, both of you guys in the studio, and I really kind of want our listeners to understand why I have a CPA in the studio and a certified financial planner. You guys talk about things. A lot of it, you talk about it together, and then sometimes it's individual. Now, Scott, from your perspective as a financial planner, when you're talking to someone about tax reform, kind of give me the, the dialogue that you're having with that particular person. Well, you know, as with everything, when we're doing looking at strategies around tax planning, you know, always tell them to consult their CPA about what we're talking about. Correct. You know, we're giving generalized tax planning right. advice. But we, we sit down and look at these changes and how that's going to affect each individual because you know, you hear a lot of stuff in the news and the media about what this is going to be, but it's really going to affect each individual in a different way. So we try to project how these changes are going to affect that individual. I know what you we work closely with the CPA community when you're working with a client. Yes. We never yes. look at ourselves and say, well, we're going to do this. And you don't, you know, we always pull together, right. especially with this new Reform Act. It is going to be somewhat of a change for some people. Tommy, I guess from your chair, would you say that, can we be, can I throw a big blanket on it and say, to the average consumer, some media has said this, and I want to get it from you, to the average consumer, to the average person that wage earner today, this tax reform, tax reform act is going to benefit them in a positive way? The House of Representatives, uh, using their using their number crunchers, have indicated that a typical family with wage earner income of approximately $73,000 a year should save approximately $2,000 a year in taxes under the new law. That's just very broad brush of what they're considering to be middle-class normal average uh, does expect to get a uh, benefit. So, so can I say then the Republicans were focused on this middle class individual? Because I know the media sometimes will come back and say, no, it was strictly for the wealthy. Now, there were some things in it that said for wealthy, but $2,000 to anybody making $75,000 a year, that's a lot of money. 
Well, it's it's a you know it's a good start. Uh, I would say that the Republicans were focused on providing significant relief to corporations and then providing some relief along the way to individuals. This was primarily a business tax bill to to normalize the playing field between U.S. businesses and our tax uh, structure and your and and worldwide businesses and structures that our tax structure was not competitive with. That makes that makes a lot of sense. And we'll, Scott Scott's got some info on. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second, but I, I think that's important to know. So, so you're saying the rates are lower. But I know that the act also removes some deductions. In fact, somebody was talking to me the other day and said, hey, guys, your fees are no longer going to be deductible. And that's a fact. I mean, what what's going on there? What what those some of those deductions that have gone away? What's what do you see? Well, under the under the the one of the intended purposes was simplification. And so they went to the. Uh, Schedule A or itemized deductions, which have been in place and gotten broader and more complex over the years, and they decided to simplify that. Instead of having uh, instead of having many people who would itemize, they raised what is called the standard deduction, which if your typical itemized deductions don't get over that, then uh, you just merely take the standard deduction that they give you and don't have to itemize. In your practice, are you going to see a lot of people doing that? I mean, do you think that's going to change with the standard? What is the, what is the standard deduction? What did it go to? Okay, the new standard deduction for a married couple has been converted to $24,000, which is a enhanced standard deduction and is intended to replace the previous standard deductions as well as all personal exemptions. So a typical family, uh, well, just... A, a couple, uh, a husband and wife married, uh, married filing jointly. Last year, they would get a standard deduction of approximately twelve thousand plus plus two personal exemptions, which is right at twenty thousand. For twenty eighteen, that apples to apples number is now twenty four thousand compared to what they got. 20000 last year. You know, and I guess we need to make sure that people know that standard deductions or those itemized deductions that people would, would be would be charitable gifts, medical expenses, home mortgage. Those, you can still deduct all those, right? If they if they exceed 24000 then you will still file a Schedule A and itemize your deduction and claim a larger itemized deduction than $24,000 standard. In your practice, do you think people are going to, will they, will they have enough? Let's go back to that seventy-five to eighty thousand dollars wage order. I mean, that that family of making are they going to have enough that they, you know, the mortgage insurance? I mean, excuse me, the mortgage interest, the charitable giving, all that. Are they going to have enough, or is that twenty-four thousand dollars just going to be a blanket and take care of it? Well, the the House representatives, where they've had the numbers looked at, uh, this is going to take out approximately forty million taxpayers that will no longer itemize. So in my practice, a normal, a normal return in, the, in what we would call a middle-income uh, middle band, uh, those, those itemized deductions are right in that 20 to 24 range. So it's really going to, it's going to simplify their tax return and may not have a lot of, lot of impact on it. When we come back, I want you to kind of help me tell us which ones we absolutely need to take, make sure we pay attention to 
in 2018. If you just tuned in, this is Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. My guest, Tommy Armstrong, CPA, Scott Jordan, Certified Financial Planner. We're going to talk about corporate. What did it do at corporate nations and how much of an effect? And that's good. That's a good thing. So uh, stay with us because you're listening, of course, to FM 107.9 and AM 990, The Voice, Talk Radio for the Mid-South. This is Talk Money. Questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. From November 1942 to May 1943, the B-17 Flying Fortress Strategic Bomber we know as the Memphis Bell completed 25 combat missions in German-held territory, making it one of the first such aircraft to do so. After arriving at Dow Field in Bangor, Maine, she was deployed temporarily to Prestwick, Scotland, and then to her permanent base in Basingbourne, England. As part of the 324th Bomb Squadron, the Memphis Bell bombed numerous targets in France, Holland, and Germany in the first two years of Americans' involvement in the war. For the remainder of the war, the plane and crew toured the United States to sell war bonds. After the war, although the city of Memphis attempted to preserve the aircraft for posterity, weather, vandalism, and theft left the Memphis Bell in a state of severe disrepair. The plane has since been disassembled and relocated to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, where it is undergoing an extensive restoration that will preserve it for many years to come. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Shoemaker Financial and Security and Financial Services do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. And welcome back to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. My guest, Tommy Armstrong, CPA. Scott Jordan, CFP, Certified Financial Planner. Let me be sure that everybody understands the new laws that we're looking at. This is just a snapshot, and that each person, when you're listening to us, you should go out and you know discuss this, discuss all the changes with your CPA or your tax preparer, and what it means to you in your own personal, individual situation. It's always different. Everybody sits, you know, kind of unique. So be sure you do that. That's important. Speak with your CPA about your personal situation. But again, we're trying to give you that general overview to help you know kind of where to go. All right. Let me ask you this, Tommy. I, uh, what what deductions? We were talking about itemizing. And, and you know, that to me sounds like if I can get a $24,000 just automatic and I wasn't doing that much earlier, I got a big break. That's a big deal for me. But if I was going over the 24000 that doesn't even apply to me. So now let's make sure that everybody understands which deductions, what deductions should you keep up within 2018 to properly determine determine what your itemized amount should be. Okay. When Congress enacted the enhanced standard deduction, they suspended most of what we have been working with in the past as itemized deductions. Okay. However, they they left in place. They did not suspend. They did not change the ability for a person to uh, keep up with, under the law, charitable charitable deductions, mortgage interest on your main home, they did eliminate the deductibility of home mortgage interest. So 
we have three there are three large itemized deductions that should still be captured and keep and kept up with in 2018 uh, that would be mortgage interest gifts to charity actually there's four property taxes or income taxes up to $10,000 and then they did reduce the threshold for medical expenses uh, from 10% of AGI down to 7.5% which then falls into the itemized pool so you got the big four mortgage charity property taxes, and medical expenses. So now, what about a home equity loan? If I got a home equity loan, that's not considered a part of my mortgage, is it? Uh, no, it is not. And under the 2018 law, it is no longer deductible as an itemized deduction. That is gone. Okay, that's that's big for people. A home equity loan is now just like any other consumer debt. We were talking earlier about the mortgage rate today is 3.9%. Uh, and I think people have done some, you know, they, they, because it's the interest rates are so low, they go out and get these home equity loans to buy a car or something because you can't deduct the interest on buying a car. So they deducted that. So that's gone away. So, again, you see they've taken away a few things. They've given us a few things. You said that basically the Congress has come out and said this apparently is going to be somewhere around the – and you said this, and again, we're just giving you the 30,000-foot view. Go out and get your own personal advice from your own CPA, but tell me just Kevin's a thought. About a $2,000 in your pocket for that wage earner family of a seventy-five dollars to $80,000 of income. Uh, tell me, let me ask you this. How did this affect the poor? Let's talk about those that are making less than twenty-five, dollars $30,000 a year. Well, prior to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, approximately half of our population is not even required to file a tax return to begin with. So it didn't affect them. So it really didn't change those provisions. And the argument would be that the repeal of the health care mandate lifted a burden on what we cons what we might consider the poor by not putting a penalty on them if they made enough to be penalized, but not enough to get a subsidy. Subsidy, yeah. Uh, so, so really, it didn't do a whole lot for the lower end of the filing or non-filing public. It hmm. did not expand the base in bringing in more people into needing to file a tax return. Although I would say here as a tax preparer, the IRS is still making anyone who had health insurance, you have to report that to your tax preparer, and they have to report that in your tax return. And there are many people who are not otherwise required to file a return who are going to get IRS notices because they didn't report this health care yeah, information. Yeah, so that's that is a burden on the poor. Yeah. That filing requirement is as much a nuisance tax as an actual income tax that 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 they might provide. I think it's when you use the word nuisance tax. Oh. I mean, that's all nuisance. Good way to put that. Yeah. <laughs> that's a nice way to put <laughs> that. All right. Well, it, you. you know, our our, you. our government does spend very little of our money on 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 good things like uh, national national security <laughs> and and uh, hopefully our safety safety now we got coverage. Tommy beginning to tell us about what we're spending money on they spent a lot of money that's for sure let me ask you this uh, and and Scott I kind of want to lean on you a little bit you you counsel a lot of individuals and you also counsel a lot of corporations what did this do to corporations well this is a, this tax act is going to be a huge benefit to corporations and you might even say they were the biggest biggest winners in this from a tax standpoint although I think it's going to benefit everyone 
Um, according to the tax foundation, so we basically lowered the corporate income tax rate from a statutory weight of 35% down to 21%. But I think it's important to note, because a lot of times the corporations are villainized in this whole thing, but that is the corporations that create jobs for Americans, well, create the goods and services that we want to buy. Tax Reform and Jobs Act. It's yes, tax reform and absolutely. Jobs. Yeah, okay. But prior to that, you know, we had some of the highest corporate tax rates in the world. Um, and the last time we've seen a significant reduction in corporate tax rates was back in 1986. So uh, the, the Tax Foundation recently did a survey of 202 jurisdictions, and we had the fourth highest tax rates in the world, only behind the United Arab, Arab Emirates and Comoros and Puerto Rico, which is an, uh, an American yeah. territory. Yeah. So we were among the highest, uh, Europe being having the lowest average. So I think it's going to make American companies... More competitive, More competitive on the worldwide stage. That's Absolutely. A, that's very important. If you just tuned in, my guest is Tommy Armstrong, CPA, Scott Jordan, Certified Financial Planner. When we come back, i tell you what we're going to do. We're going to kind of get a summary. We have talked about some heavy stuff. Tax Reform Act and the, the whole idea behind, is it going to put money in your pocket? That's important for us to know. But also, you know, I think Shannon, I want Shannon to kind of tell us what the appeal does to us. There is an appeal to the Affordable Care Act, the mandate. That's important for us to know. You're listening to The Voice, AM 990 and FM 107.9. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We'll be back in just a moment. This is Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Now, here's Mid-South weather from News Channel 3 Severe Weather Center, brought to you by the Crescent Club, hosting the people and ideas that move Memphis forward for nearly 30 years. Poplar and I-240, call for a free tour at 901-684-1010. Get ready, another cold front is on its way. From the Severe Weather Center, I'm News Channel 3's Todd Demers. Partly sunny skies today, our temperatures will recover into the mid-30s. First time above freezing since Saturday afternoon behind southwesterly winds. But tonight's cold front means another shot of cold Arctic air. Our temperatures drop into the teens with northerly winds and under the sunshine will hold in the mid-20s for your Thursday. Slightly warmer with increasing rain chances through the weekend. Memphis Spine and Rehab has relocated to Germantown across from the Chick-fil-A on Wolf Trail Cove. Check them out at TheMemphisSpine.com or call 901-751-0939. I'm News Channel 3's Todd Demers on The Voice, FM 107.9 and AM 990. Now back to America in the Morning. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs, it's what we do. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. 
And welcome back. Uh, we've been talking about tax cuts. We've been talking about health insurance, what the mandate's going away, what did it do to you. My guests have been Tommy Armstrong, Shannon Dyson, Scott Jordan. And I, guys, let me let me do this. I mean, Scott, you were talking about corporations. And, of course, you, you mentioned the big corporations. At least brings them down. They're competing now with Europe. They're competing now with some, some ability, you know, to at least compete worldwide. That's a big deal. That does big create deal. jobs. But what about the small corporation? Well, there's some there's some relief in this act for small businesses too. Now, there's a lot of details around this, but in a in, in a general sense, uh, for what they call pass through entities, those are like partnerships, LLCs, S corporations. They're now going to be allowed to deduct 20 percent of their qualified business income under three hundred fifteen thousand dollars. So there's there's also relief in the act for the small business owner as well, and I think that will do a lot towards creating jobs. So again, that's being kind of the push the Republicans wanted to say we're gonna run something through. And they really did. I mean that was amazing. I remember it was. Reagan's uh, whole idea of his tax reform took about two years to do. This took about two months. I mean it was kind of amazing but uh, it was on everybody's plate. It was on everybody's mind. They were kind of anticipating something like this. So we see it uh, for that $80,000 income, Tommy, we're going to see some income. There are going to be some things that they get a plus from, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But the the key to what Scott was sharing with us about the small business owners, including sole proprietorships, anyone that has self-employment income in their tax return, this creates an enormous planning opportunity to start now and look at what 2018 looks like, and it may be an opportunity for increased cash flow in your pocket instead of the government's pocket. So, again, that... Let me just tie this together, guys, because, I mean, let's get down to the forget what all the media says. Forget about all the hype. Mm. At the end of the day, we're guys, we're practitioners. We're out in the middle of the road. We're in the trenches. Okay, tell me from your chair as a CPA, does that create jobs if it's putting money back into the small business pocket? Well, a business owner runs his business for the purpose of making money for the owner. Mm -hmm. You put more money into that business owner, you reinvest in the business owner, he will reinvest in people and products to make money for him, the owner, and him or her, the owner. And then therefore, he's creating jobs. I mean, right. bottom line. You send it to Washington, it's not going to be used to create jobs and wealth for the owner <laughs> who would normally spend it on on, on himself F to benefit his, his business. Or his people, yeah. You reinvest money in an operating business, and all of a sudden people have jobs. They have group health plans. Everything looks a lot better on the ground here on Main Street than it does on K Street in Washington. No, no kidding. <laughs> I think he's got a point there. Let me ask you this, Tommy, before I leave you, because you mentioned this earlier, the itemized deduction of charitable giving. That's being said that charitable ministries are really going to be in trouble. Now, now Shannon, I'm leaning going to come to you in just a second, too, with this. Do you see that? Is that what you're hearing on the street, that people that have been philanthropic, charitable, that they're going to stop? Well, in the, in the, in the community, in the circles that we run in, uh, we, we are individually charitably inclined, and most of our clients are charitably inclined, and they give out of their heart and out of their calling instead of based on what it is in the tax code. And so I would encourage those who are charitably inclined to continue to be so and and pre present present those numbers in a proper fashion to their preparer so they can make the best use of it in the tax return. That makes sense. Shannon, from a standpoint that your wife, Jill, is the 
president and CEO of Angel Street here in Memphis. And uh, shit, that's a nonprofit ministry. Uh, is that something you guys have talked about? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't talk much about taxes or things like that with Jill, but that's one thing that she read and she was like, wait a minute, yeah. what's this going to, what, how is this going to affect us? And so absolutely, it's something that I think most um, directors of, of nonprofits are going to be thinking about. And, and of course, again, I think, Tommy, you're right on, you know, those that are charitable through their heart, not their pocketbook through their heart, this will not affect them at all. Those that are, you know, as far as if they're, if it's under that deduction amount of 24000 the itemized deduction amount. And there have certainly been no changes to the favorable capital gains treatment of giving, uh, giving appreciated assets we've talked about on the show many times. That's a good point. So those laws did not change, and as we engage in... Throughout the year tax planning, gift of appreciated property remains a sound strategy for fulfilling your charitable inclinations. That's great. That's a good point. Shannon, let me ask you this. Summarize for me the Affordable Care Act. We are no longer mandated to buy. Yeah, so it it looks like the Republicans have made a decision to systematically uh, repeal the Affordable Care Act. They've started with the individual mandate. Uh, There will have to be other provisions this year. Uh, if there's not, it's going to cause a bigger mess with higher prices and things of that nature like we've talked about with the insurance carriers. Uh, so if they don't make some other fixes, which we expect that they will, uh, we may have a lot of Republicans looking for jobs in 2019. Uh, that's just my speculation, but uh, I think something has to be done other than what has been done so, so far. So far, so far. So again, we are anticipating more. Let me ask you this real quick, and uh, Scott, what would you say to the corporations, to the small businesses, tax reform, what's happened? I think it's going to be good. We're looking at the at, uh, ability to probably create additional jobs and maybe actually see some wage increase. Capital Group is estimating anywhere around a 25 to 3% GDP for out of this tax bill, 10% earnings growth in S&P. 500 companies, and we didn't even touch on repatriation of cash, but that's estimated a, about $1.5 trillion of repatri- repatriated cash coming back into the country. So. Well, guys, you always do a great job. I appreciate you very much. If you want to contact these people, just give them a call at 757-5757. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Thank you for being a part of today's program. You're listening to Talk Money, and it's always a pleasure to have you a part of our program. You're the listener. We thank you for being a part. Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brashear and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker, Tommy Armstrong, and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.